But the beauty of a bar, you know, when I go to the saloon, dance, you meet people from all over the world, Cafe Trieste here, whatever, and you know, you, you make friends. And sometimes they're just for a day. That was bar owner and artist Ellie Simmons. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. Every week on this podcast, you'll hear from artists, writers, business owners, and San Franciscans from all walks of life, telling stories, sharing personal histories, and trying to put into words what makes this city so special. And now there's an easy way to help support what we do. Go over to the store page on our website, storiedsf.com, to check out the various pledge levels. Help us out, and we'll send you some cool Storied SF swag. Welcome to episode 34, part one. I was lucky enough to go to Specs pretty early in my time here in San Francisco, and uh, and right away I just I was blown away by I didn't even know that I liked dive bars at the time, and it might be actually wrong to call Specs a dive bar. It's more like an institution or a or a museum. Um, you walk in, and it's it's a narrow, long bar that just kind of goes back, and the walls are covered with tchotchkes and history and gags and puns and it's just the right away I knew that it was one of my favorite bars in San Francisco and uh, that was about 20 years ago a couple months ago I came across uh, I think it was a fundraiser someone was doing for a movie about specs and I was of course immediately interested I was actually lucky enough to be at specs what turned out to be Speck's last birthday, which I guess was a, just a couple years ago. He turned 88, and he unfortunately passed away a couple weeks after that. But I found out his daughter, Ellie, is making a movie, a documentary about about her parents and about how they opened the bar, and that's exactly what this episode of the podcast is about. So without further ado, here's Ellie Simmons. My folks met in Vesuvios in 1952, and Spex was from Roxbury, Boston. My mom was from New York, but they happened to be there at the same time in 52, and she was headed back to New York, but they started hanging, and he proposed to her, and she stayed. Um, I was was, act- was this bar already open at, in 52? No, okay. no. My dad actually bartended at Vesuvios for a little bit, and he cooked there. He cooked, um, they had really cheap pasta meals, so he did that for a while, um, and the owner at that time wanted to sell it to him, but he was 23 and he was not ready for a bar. He was a sheet metal worker, which was a trade in the family. His uh, grandpa had started a shop in Boston. So he did that up until the time he, he, I mean, he did other things here or there. But basically that was the trade he did until he opened this bar, which was in 1968. Is that what brought him out here to San Francisco? Um, what, 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 I should say what brought, what brought him We'll talk about him a little bit. Well, he went. He hit L.A. first. He, I mean, he came here briefly, but he went to um, three of his closest friends from Roxbury moved to L.A. for work and um, and also probably just to get away from home and Boston, which was extremely racist. Um, my dad was politically progressive from an early age and everybody, a lot of, you know, he's Jewish, a lot of his friends were Jewish and black and they were working a lot on civil rights stuff in the late 40s, actually the mid and late 40s and early 50s. Kind of after the war stuff. Yeah, he was too young to fight. He had a heart murmur and he was too young to enlist, which he always regretted. I mean, they wouldn't take him because of the heart murmur. 
So he ended up showing uh, VD films to soldiers and doing stand-up comedy in USO acts. But his whole family was very funny, and that's how... Yeah, he wasn't the only member of his family to be funny. Yeah. But he always... There was a woman I met in here one year, an Italian woman, decades ago around um, the anniversary party, and she was watching my dad, and she goes, you know, he leaves everybody laughing. She was just watching him. She didn't know him at all. And, you know, his whole, the Bornstein side of my family, they're all funny like that. Is that his mom, Ben? His mom's son. Got it. There's one line in the trailer where he's like, he's talking about his name, and he's like, my name is Richard oh. Simmons. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I only met him a couple times, but yeah. Yeah. That's an accurate... Yeah, he was very, he was very funny. It was very funny, um, and a good storyteller. Yeah, a great storyteller. So your folks met in you said fifty two of a They met fifty two. Um, yeah, he came up. I mean, he loved he loved North Beach, and he loved um, he was working I think in the shipyards in L A. and his best friend Frank Lang and his friend Eddie Mendelson, and then Terry Carter, who is a black actor who's still alive, who I will see in New York at the end of the month, um, who was in uh, McLeod. He was the handsome black, you know that program? With Dennis Weaver. I mean, I watched it as a kid. We used to go to Universal Studios and watch him act. But a very, very handsome, very sharp dude from actually New York originally, but had been in Roxbury. So they were all buddies. So they were all in L.A. A couple of them were being actors and antique dealers and stuff like that. The real story is that my father came up here fleeing a husband, an angry husband, because he was ranting a little. It's okay. He liked telling this story, so it's okay for me to tell it. Um, and it turned out that his best friend was also involved with this woman. He had no idea. I found out when my mom passed, all that L.A. They're not blood family, but they're like family. They all came up, and we were sitting, eating at the old O'Reilly's after the service girl talking with all these elder women you know they were all my mom's age and um and vicky told me that frank also was going to run away with marcy and i told my father that he had not he goes really his best friend he goes really <laughs> we all got a laugh out of that yeah she ended up staying with her husband the rest of her life nothing it didn't work out the runaway the runaway didn't work out there were two mexican restaurants with the same name on pico boulevard and she went to one and frank went to the other and the husband went after oh, her Mike, i love it i love it so uh so your dad came to san francisco as a runaway <laughs> but an adult <laughs> runaway and not f- from his parents right which later like, yeah <laughs> well no he also loved the city i mean sure. what he says in the short bit in the film is that when you're from Boston and the, you know, it's, I mean, there's racism everywhere and it's all at peak right now under our dear president, but Boston is particularly tough that way. In neighborhoods, it's like you go across the street, you get beat up, blah, blah, blah. And in San Francisco, people were pretty free to be themselves and mingled and he loved jazz and culture and history and all that. So it was a natural. And he met my mom. I was telling someone last night who was bartending at Mr. Bing's his first place when he was a 23-year-old, he stayed at the above Brandy Hose in a little in an SRO room, right? Because it was cheap. And um, one night before I got the Parkinson's and he could walk, we were walking down. I was raising my kid in West Marin, so I had to drive back to West Marin. And he was a little tipsy. We'd made the rounds. He was a little tipsy, and he, he points up at the 
window right by the Brandy Ho sign. He goes, that's where I first bedded down your mother. <laughs> and then he goes, Dad. he goes, you get loaded at night and you'd fall into bed and you'd wake up in the morning because it was a triangular shaped room and your forehead would be like a triangle. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so my folks met in Vesuvio's. He first slept with my mom right down the street. He lived, after my folks split up, he moved to 279 Columbus, right at the corner. And he opened this bar in 68. So I have a lot of family history on this Columbus block. and Broadway? or Yeah. Right around here, okay. Okay. Right above Nazario's Pizza. And oh, it was yeah. actually a very quiet one bedroom. On very that corner, it was quiet? It was quiet. Because when he ended up in skilled nursing because of the Parkinson's, I would stay there and be with him all the time. Uh, you know, go visit him constantly. And... Um, it was amazing because the bedroom was inside. It was amazingly quiet. So he stayed. He moved there and then stayed there the rest of his time here, or until he started getting uh, more ill with the Parkinson's, he found an apartment that had a um, elevator. Got it. Okay. And stuff. Okay, so let's go back to Where that night that uh, your parents met, and then. So my mom was headed back to New York, and he proposed to her in my aunt's house in Fairfax, and she decided to stay and. Um, Get married, and I was actually born in New York because of Joseph McCarthy, because he was having trouble getting work, because the whole, um, he, he had, I mean, he was progressive and active in union politics and, and civil rights stuff, my mom was also. Mm -hmm. So they really, you know, besides both being Jewish, both being into culture, jazz, art, um, he loved museums and art, she was a painter. Um, they shared, you know, kind of the political stuff, but... At that stage of the game, it wasn't just the Hollywood people that were being blacklisted. It was all kinds of people. Were your parents blacklisted? My dad was. Wow. And he, he couldn't get she work. He wow. couldn't get she work. And, um, you know, he had a pregnant wife yeah. that he had to support. So they went back to New York. And I was born in Manhattan, thanks to Joseph McCarthy. But they moved back when I was a year old. I was just telling the story of someone else. I didn't realize till we interviewed him. We have an interview for the film that we did... Um, he loved soaking in the tub every day, and he'd set up this little silver tray with his tea and his cookies and his book, you know, and he'd soak and he'd keep pouring hot water, and he did that for as long as I knew him. And um, so we actually, Adam interviewed him in the tub one I time. I saw the clip did you from see the that? trailer, yeah, yeah. And um, as he's getting dressed after he gets out of the tub, he's, and I didn't realize this, they were also thinking, it was getting so repressive in this country that they were thinking of skipping the country. Wow. Which lots of people do right now. Then, I was going to say then and now. In dark times, it's, it's, I feel like it's yeah. easy for your... But they didn't. Now, you know, why, why they moved back here, I mean, they loved it here, but um, my guess is he wasn't ready to be surrounded by 30 cousins of my mother's. I don't, uh, I don't really know. So yeah. I grew up here. I completely grew up in San Francisco. Can we talk about your mom a little? Yeah. I mean, your, your dad is, he's, he is who he is, but it's obvious. That's why you're talking to you. That's why you're making the movie. But let's hear about your mom. I mean, well, you she's, she's, she's going to be in the film a lot. Too. Good. You said she's from New. She was from. She's New from York. New York. That's what a brought her here. Portrait of her on the wall. I have. Oh my, my god! I was going to talk to you about that because I, I like my, dad, my friends my and I are obsessed with that. She was great, and she worked here. I mean, my folks opened the place together. Can we? we uh, what brought her to San Francisco? Um, she had a boyfriend for a year in New York. And she became pregnant, and he wouldn't step up to the plate. She came out here. I mean, we can get into women, given all the stuff going down in this country. Um, 
I have a half brother through my mom. She came to stay with her sister who was very bohemian and could accept it. And she was extremely hurt that, you know, the boyfriend accused her of cheating on him, the whole thing that women of all different races and cultures and everything get all the time. And basically, he was young and scared. And I mean, they weren't that young. They were in their mid-20s, but he wouldn't step up to the plate. So she came out and gave him up for adoption and would have, and I'm now close with him and his daughter and grandkids. Um, Is he still in the area? He's in Vallejo. I found him seven years ago after my mom passed. And my dad called, and my dad would have adopted him, but he was already adopted out. So they met, they must have met right after Christmas, uh, 1952. They met like the very end of 52 or 53 and stuff like that. And um, so she actually, came out she was not about to have an abortion because she had I mean this gets into heavy history but it's very truthful and it's important right now given what's going on my eldest aunt when the men were all off fighting war the Rosie the Riveter kind of thing you know was going on everywhere so a lot of the women in New York were driving streetcars and doing all kinds of work right her second eldest sister became pregnant by a streetcar conductor who wanted her to move in with him and his wife and kids and raise the kids. She wouldn't. So she went up to Canada to have an abortion. She was 20 and they botched it. And she went back and they took her uterus out at the age of 20 because they didn't want poor Jew women to have more babies. They did it to Puerto Ricans and blacks and everything. So my mother watched that and she was not about to go through that. So she came out here to give him up privately and go back home and continue and then she met my dad who who would have adopted him and and called him uh his stepson but he's very different his fo- he was adopted by he's biracial and he was adopted by a black family in Vallejo that couldn't have kids and they were southern so even though he was raised in Vallejo he is that he and I are really close but he has that kind of slow southern he has an accent and he looks it's just more his mannerisms yeah. and how he talks. He's yeah. just mellow and he's, um, I mean, I'm mellow today because it's hot out, but I'm normally <laughs> fairly jacked up. And um, he's just slow, you know. I mean, he's not slow in the head. He's sharp, but he's just got that Literally, more southern. His cadence and everything. His is cadence and everything. Everything's slow. And when I first talked to him on the phone, I go, this woman helped me find this woman in San Diego helped me find him. And when we finally found him, and I was so nervous about talking to him, um, I said, were you raised in the church? You know, he's black. Raised, and, he, and he goes, yeah, Baptist church. And I go, well, you're Jewish. And he's totally, I mean, he does Because y'all's mom was Jewish, right? My mom was Jewish, yeah. so he's Jewish. And his mom, yeah. Right, right, right. His dad I'm in that boat his as dad well, was for the record. Cr- yeah. yeah. His dad, what, adopted? Or by, by... My mom was Jewish. Your mom was Jewish. You're Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, even whatever. I mean, my kid's dad's a wasp. But she's, sure. you know, so she's half and half, but she's, according to Jewish faith, she's, yes. the, she's Jewish. So he doesn't really relate to it, but he has no problem with it. No. I mean, he grew up Christian, and he's totally cool. I mean, oh, we're really man. close. Yeah. But anyway, um, that's basically the story of how they both got here, and then they recognized like-minded people and what's really interesting is old country like my mom is from new york my dad is from boston but old country in uh russia now ukraine and poland and lithuania their families were 60 kilometers apart your mom so and dad's families yeah the places they're from 
That's amazing. So the, the, it's really like family. So I was raised in the city. I was raised in, uh, I'll be 64 this coming week. So I was like, an old, I'm an old hippie. So I was raised in the Fillmore in the Winterland. Okay. I was yeah. there all the time. Yeah. So I was a hippie kid. What was growing up Great. in San Francisco like? Like, you know, Fillmore specifically, but just in general. Well, I mean, it was a gr- it was a great time. Um, rents were cheap. It was pretty. You know, we had a huge flat on Sacramento Street for like started at eighty five a month and went up to like one hundred seventy five. My little sister and I could roller skate up and down the hallways and stuff. Um, Sacramento and what cross street? Right next to the Vogue Theater. Okay. Right next to what's now Forest Jones, but it used to be a Gilt Edge supermarket. Okay. So the library, the Presidio Library, that the cover of uh, Richard Brodigan's The Abortion Book. Is that that picture? That was my library I grew up in. I lived in that library. But, um, so I went to Madison, which is now clear, Lilienthal, and then I went to Roosevelt, and then we moved out to the avenues, rented a house, big house for nothing, and, um, and I went to Washington. Okay. One city. And it was very diverse. I think my dad, when we moved out to the avenues, I think he picked it. Sacramento Street, well, going back to Sacramento Street, it was, at that point, it was not as upscale as it is now, and it was really the dividing line between the Western Edition and Pacific Heights. And only really the Catholic school kids went to private school. There weren't as many private schools, so everybody, like I had friends, and my little sister had friends whose parents, you know, were you know in the Korean embassy or this embassy or whatever. I had friends that were really poor. We had a lot of artist friends. Um, my father... It was a blue-collar town, so a lot of our friends were sheet metal workers, were longshoremen and merchant marines, sheet metal workers. Pete Bratt's dad was a sheet metal worker that my dad was active with on picket lines and stuff. Benjamin Bratt's father, mm-hmm. Pete Bratt. Oh, right. um, I remember being at their house a lot when I was a little kid and stuff. And um, and my father was friends with the union printer that printed all the Fillmore tickets. I had four free tickets every weekend. Oh, that was really goodness. rough. <laughs> yeah. So, you so know, what I kind s- of bands did you see at the Fillmore back then? I mean, everybody. Tell, tell us some names. I started going, before I started going on my own, my folks took me, because you could go in as a kid. And um, Taj Mahal, who's actually a friend now, I remember seeing him there in 67, I think, or 68. You know, Country Joe, um, gone, everybody. Big Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> yeah. I actually didn't see the dead that often. I mean, I saw them some, um, but I didn't see them a lot. My and then my f- high school sweetheart was... Um, a young sound man and he did a little bit of work for Graham and we did all kinds of stuff and he's now the sound man at JV's Hall for the symphony and we're still good friends um, and I'm friends with his son but uh, everybody Um, Moby Grape I don't know I'm bad at remembering names if you throw them out I'll go yes or no did you I know those are the big ones can we do a quick I section about sure. Moby Grape? Because what I I, huh. I I don't know a whole lot about them, but what I just read in Season of the Witch is like they were poised to be like the biggest thing, and then it all just kind of fell apart. But what did you think of them? Oh, we loved See, them. I mean, I, my mom loved them, and um, I, you know the early like psychedelic rock. 
it was very sweet as well as wild you know it had a really so you know I love that stuff and then also they always mixed a lot of blues I mean Ike and Tina Turner were there a lot I've always loved blues stuff um but going back to lo- uh, local Grape, local I bands Moby Grape but also um uh, Jefferson Santana. Airplane yeah Santana. I saw them all the time yeah. I mean Paul I didn't know any of them pr- I didn't know anybody from the from um, Jefferson Airplane personally but Paul Kantner of course hung at Trieste all the time before he passed mm-hmm. that one really got me that day. I got everybody but yeah, part of why we're doing the group birthday parties it was an idea of Dominic's from Canyon Cinema who started Canyon but also it's like you know, c- celebrations are really important. And as you get older, you lose more people. And when you are in the bar business industry, you know a million people. And, you know, there's always somebody going. But the last month and a half have been really bad. We've been at, like, I mean, last weekend, it's like, I woke up and it's like, I don't have to go to Memorial. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great... It's a breath of fresh air. We've had some real tragedies in the last five weeks. You know, one guy was older, but, you know, one regular of ours dear who started the eagle cafe fell down some stairs and died and his part and you know it, it's been st- so it's like okay it's time for parties you know to balance out the memorials and stuff We're all and alive. also you know i love birthday parties i've always loved my my folks had i just found the card for um we used to have hanukkah parties before he opened the bar once he opened the bar and he was around people all the time then he liked solitude it's time off. But prior to opening the bar, and I understand it now that I'm out all the time. I like my quiet more and more at home, you know, and then when I'm ready to go out with people. But, um, and I'm super social. I'm actually a lot more like my father than I ever, because I've always identified more with my mom. But the whole making the rounds number and the kind of connections with bartenders and people in the service industry and, um, that kind of thing that are, that become your people mm-hmm. even more than yeah I'm an artist so of course all the different artists are my you know everybody is but but that kind of thing I love you know bartenders are like good bartenders is salt of the earth it's a challenging job to be a good one and it's a great job inspiring it's, you know it can be very inspiring you have to love as people an artist to be a bartender are you a visual artist also um, uh, yeah, born and painter. My mom was a painter, cool. born and raised painter, and cool. um, uh, film photography. The last eight nine years, cool. I fell in love with. Yeah, that's great. Talk to yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's a little line in the. Cl- I'm not sure if it's in the clip because we have different versions of it. But where my father's sitting in the bar, and he goes. He actually stutters, which he never did. But he goes, "I love m- meeting new people." And it's just like. I just talk with, there's somebody who lives in my building and goes, you know, he hates meeting new people. And I go, I love it. It's like, I love the people I know and you get to know people deeper and deeper over time and you share your life stories. But the beauty of a bar, you know, when I go to the saloon, dance, you meet people from all over the world, Cafe Trieste here, whatever. And, you know, you, you make friends and sometimes they're just for a day. And that's one thing that I'm talking, I, I had to switch editors because the, the wife of, my past editor passed away and they have two young kids and he's got his hands full and um so she had cancer so i'm working with someone who's great and way more skilled in the field but he's new to north beach and uh, and he's a very progressive guy more in environmental stuff but he's you know actually like one of my good friends is a poet is here but and i i love the poets and everything but i said you know in this film like they be going to the same people and i go 
I want to cover the industry people. I want to cover who who really makes North Beach. Yeah. That the places wouldn't exist without yeah. the baristas and the folks that own the hotels and restaurants and, and work really hard and the folks that bartend and, and you know, put up with everybody's stories. <laughs> you know, you get really close to Aaron people. and I have known each other three years when we met um, and, and the, probably the first time Specs he came up. He still doesn't quite get it, my editor, but... Well, it's another story. I'm working on it. We anyway, just started working together. I was just like, oh, yeah. Like, I've, I all, I've loved that place since I moved here. I was lucky enough to come here um, early in 2000 when I first moved here. And she's like, I love it because of Lucy. So she came here for the bartender. Right. People I came here for everything else. Right. But no, people yeah, but definitely have their favorite bartenders. Yeah. I mean, I do the same thing. Do figure drawing here in the Sunday morning. Okay, with Jeff. Many years ago, yes. And my favorite bartender when I used to visit, and what, kind of one of the reasons I moved to San Francisco was this bar. And I, I don't remember his name right now, but it, um, but I used to love that. We would all gather here on Sunday mornings. I know. It'd be nice and, to do that again. Uh, some, some people coffee, some people a jug of wine, you know. And we would set up on these tables, and the model would be on the uh, bar, and we would draw for three hours. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing place for that to happen. It would be great for that to happen again, actually. Let's go back to you growing up um, in San Francisco. So, Well, I was also very politically, besides the the hippie music stuff, psychedelic and all that kind of stuff, um, running around the city as a young kid I um, also was always so you know active my folks were on civil rights picket lines I was on the um, Cadillac Road stuff when I was 10 and 65 wow. which is where I learned gospel songs and at that point everybody's working together right it was before all the separatist power movements so blacks and Jews and whites and everybody you know, Christian atheists communists and Jew- everybody right there weren't there weren't a lot of Muslims around yet and stuff, but, but so I was involved with that. And then I cut my first organizing teeth on my own with the Farmworkers Union, the UFW, which my folks also were involved with. And um, so like when I was dating Sujin, my high school sweetie, who's the sound man at Davies Hall now, and he was old school Armenian American. So he would, after school, walk by book, hippie kid with totally curly hair, blue t-shirt, all cocky, you know, and, but... <laughs> But a gentleman, because of old school, he'd carry my books to the picket line at Safeway. You know, all the women in my mother's family, even though they all had their straight jobs, they were all in the arts. They all um, sculpted, painted. Including you. I got it from my mom. Yeah. I mean, she didn't, you know, she dropped it and became, a. even though my folks were progressive, they still had kind of a, a straight, traditional marriage role model but they both okay. worked yeah um my dad cooked really well but he cooked what he wanted to cook and my mom cooked all the time but you know so she really stopped painting she was and then when they opened the bar they both worked like crazy down here all the time we all did when i was a mom and was living with my husband and my kid in lagunitas where i raised her um i couldn't you know i'd always have to get back and get her to sleep and wake her up in the morning stuff so I couldn't like I'd make the rounds with my dad have a drink and a half and then drive an hour and stuff so I could never all the music started when I had to leave town and then my husband left me for another woman thank God which was incredibly painful at the time but incredibly but 
we got through that part. And then my kid moved to New York, and then my dad unfortunately fell, no, started getting the Parkinson's, lived elsewhere, and I could stay in the hood. And I was single. I was hanging out with guys that like to drink, and I was <laughs> having, and everybody's like, how are you, empty nest? And your husband left you. I'm like, fucking awesome. <laughs> I'm out dancing four nights. My kid's like, mom, you're having too much fun. But, um, you know, I, I put in 30 years of marriage. Exactly. I deserve it. That was Ellie Simmons. Join us Thursday when Ellie will talk about her parents opening the bar in 1968. Music for the podcast is by Otis McDonald. Film photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our website is storiedsf.com. And again, that's where we're raising money to help pay for doing the podcast. So if you can help out, we really appreciate it. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show, because that also really helps get the word out. Another way to reach us is by email, storiedsf at gmail.com. If you have any uh, suggestions of folks who should be on the show or uh, any tips, any feedback, we don't care if it's positive or negative. We'd really love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.